This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello, and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And uh, St. Patrick's Day is like tomorrow, as of this episode coming out. It is. We have barely dodged our tradition of missing what we call tent pole events in the biz uh-huh. entirely. So you've got like a 24-hour period to listen to this, and then you can listen to it still. It'll just not be St. Patrick's Day anymore. Unless... Unless, again. It's a year later. Yeah. And in which case, happy St. Patrick's Day from the past. <laughs> We hope it's a good one. Uh, yeah. Um, so, oh, man, here here in the United States, St. Patrick's Day is very silly. It is. Um, we get a lot of stuff wrong about Irish culture, oh, which yeah. is distinct from Irish-American culture and traditions. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, we get a lot of stuff wrong about, about Ireland and Irish culture on St. Patrick's Day, including... Corned beef, it seems. Right, which is the topic of today's episode, because we're like, oh, man, St. Patrick's Day episode, let's do corned beef. 
oh, this has nothing to do with Ireland. Or it does, but in sad ways. Yay! <laughs> Just to get that out of the way. Yeah. Um, St. Patrick's Day is the biggest day of the year for U.S. cabbage consumption. Okay. Yes, and it's a pretty big day <laughs> for beef brisket as well. Absolutely. Um, also, shout out to listener Mike, who wrote in on Facebook about a billion years ago, Probably, Probably more yeah. like one year ago, but um, to, to request corned beef as a topic specifically to answer the question of why most canned corned beef is from Brazil, mm-hmm. which is a thing that I didn't know until he had mentioned that. But it is mostly from Brazil and other parts of South America. And who, buddy, are we going to get into that? Yeah, we are. <laughs> oh, it's all so sad. Okay. Yes. Um. Well, let's start the episode with our... Our question we always start episodes with, corned beef. What is it? Delicious. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Corned beef is a salt-cured spiced beef product. Um, (laughs) The the corn comes from the uh, kernels or grains or corns of salt used in making it. In British English, it's sometimes referred to or often referred to as salt beef. And in the modern American concept of fresh corned beef, it's made from from brisket, which is a cut of of beef that is uh, the, the the lower chest or like the breast of cattle, and it's a really tough, fibery muscle. So it is perfect for the kind of curing and slow cooking that corned beef calls for, because all that helps break the tissue down and make it really tender. Mm-hmm. Um, the spice blend used can vary pretty widely, but typically involves uh, black pepper, a Yep. Uh, mustard seed, ginger, coriander, allspice, clove, and bay leaves. So, you're making some corned beef. You, you brine or dry cure, whatever you prefer, the brisket with some spices. Then uh, simmer it with some more spices, real slow, and uh, serve it in slices. Oh. Um, and it becomes this kind of flaky, tender uh, thing and tastes like a little bit like Christmas. Oh, really? If what that, a lovely description. If that makes it, I, I don't know, that particular spice blend always, anything with cloves oh, okay. in it, I'm just like, tastes like Christmas. <laughs> um, uh, again, in the American preparation, you might add potatoes, cabbage, and carrots to the simmer pot uh, or cook them alongside for serving. My dad always served corned beef with mustard, um, but we served like everything with mustard, really. So I'm not sure if that's typical or if that's really just us. It goes really well, though. I would imagine it does. Yeah. I've never had sliced corned beef. Oh no. No. Um but I've had like chunks. Like like pulled or chopped. Yeah. yeah. And um my dad really liked it from the canned corned beef hash. But oh. as a kid that was one of those foods that I thought was weird and I don't <laughs> think I ever actually tried it. Yeah, uh cor- corned beef hash is can can be made with uh with fresh corned beef but perhaps more frequently is made with canned and it's a it's a popular breakfast here in the states and the UK. Um it's a yeah, yeah, you 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 take some some chopped potatoes and some uh, pulled corned yeah. beef and uh, fried up in a skillet, put an egg on it, maybe some hot sauce. That's like my dad's favorite meal right there. <laughs> I can't imagine anything <laughs> my dad would like more. The fresh stuff is delicious. I I've, I, I don't think I've ever had canned corned beef. Um, but uh, okay, uh, back, back to the back to the kind of the the, the science process here. Um, the 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 salt in the brine or the dry cure makes all of the the muscle fibers in the meat kind of bundle up, helping create the sort of flaky texture of Mm -hmm. the final product. And uh, slow cooking is just as key as the salt is because the the gentle heat um, of a low, slow simmer will turn all of the tough connective tissue bits 
in the meat into like a soft gelatin that just barely holds the threads of meat together. Mm-hmm. So you get that perfect fork tender kind of texture. Man, I'm so hungry. Oh, oh, I know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, one other common ingredient is uh, sodium nitrite, mm-hmm. a preservative we talked a little bit about in our spam episode. It uh, prevents bacterial growth in meat, uh, Clostridium, Clostridium botulinum, or botulism uh, bacteria specifically, and also adds a little bit of tangy flavor and also preserves the pinkish-red color of meat through the cooking process by preventing the oxidation of the pigments in meat that make it red to yeah. begin with. Um, exposure to air or the cooking process will usually oxidize those pigments, turning them brown, uh, but not so when nitrites are in the mix. They bond with the with the iron atoms that would normally catalyze the oxidation process, thus preventing it. Huh. Chemistry is so tasty. <laughs> I think one of my rejected titles for the spam episode was I I'm pink, therefore I'm spam. <laughs> 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 oh, I don't think I don't think I saw that one. Well, I think I probably oh, suggested man. 30 titles for the spam episode. <sighs> I'm now, also, I'm just thinking, like, are there some that are so silly that you don't actually send them to me? Sometimes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Peek, peek behind, a, behind the pod curtain here, y'all. Uh, Annie, ever, for every episode, sends me a huge list of possible titles, most of which are puns, most of which are song lyric related puns. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember distinctly with Spam having a moment where I was just laughing and I'd already written probably 20 and having to stop myself. <laughs> this is too much. You need to move on. I pretty frequently, when I'm going through them, will just start laughing out loud at my desk, causing many other people in the office to go, what's so funny? And then I tell them some kind of weird, like, Brussels sprout-related pun, and they're just like, that's not funny. <laughs> I, au contraire, I say. <laughs> it's hilarious. Okay, but uh, but back to back to corned beef. Um, yes. Uh, uh, spe- speaking of uh, preservation, as we were a moment ago with nitrites, fresh corned beef is really only a small slice of the corned beef pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because canned corned beef—that um, is, corned beef that has been cooked and chopped up and is sort of glued together in a loaf with a little bit of extra gelatin and, and canned. Um, was used extensively to feed soldiers throughout the world wars and is popular and or nostalgic in lots of places around the world, uh, similar to Spam. Yeah. Uh, the Caribbean, Australia, England, and the Philippines seem to be the kind of major consumers, but it is sold and made like everywhere. Um, it's known by a few names, bully beef in English-speaking areas, bully coming from the French for boiled, uh, bouilli, and loof in Israel um, from meatloaf. Oh, huh. yeah. <laughs> Another nostalgic food I find, meatloaf. Oh, oh my goodness. I have intense meatloaf emotions. You do? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and meatballs. I really love meatballs. Okay. Good to know. I yeah. like knowing little food things about people. Oh, yeah. Okay. That breakfast hash thing that we mentioned earlier uh, has been around since at least the 1880s in the United States. It showed up in the Boston Cooking School cookbook around then. And um, in in Puerto Rico, um, corned beef is really popular, or canned corned beef is, and it's a common ingredient in alcapurria, which are these fritters made of green banana and taro root that are then stuffed with meat. Um, and tins are apparently sold everywhere, like every convenience store really has them. Yeah, they're just omnipresent. 
Huh. Yeah. By the numbers, um, Americans consume some 70 million pounds of corned beef on St. Patrick's Day every oh. year. Um, sales of pre-cured corned beef leap from their normal like 1% of total retail beef sales um, to 9% of retail beef sales during the month of March. It is such a serious industry and tradition that American Catholics have been pardoned from the usual abstinence from meat on Lenten Fridays when St. Patrick's Day has fallen on a Friday. Wow. During Lent. <laughs> I have noticed in my um, March trips to the grocery store a lot of um, coupons and ads for beef brisket and cabbage. And you never see those any other time of oh, year nope. in the U.S. Nope, nope, nope. Only this specific time. Yeah. But again, so so this is all for St. Patrick's Day hypothetically. But yeah. again, this is not really an Irish dish. Uh, bacon and cabbage yes. is. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's let's look at how this happened. Yeah. But first, let's look or rather listen to a quick ad from our lovely sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay. If we could hop in a time machine and go back to ancient Ireland, Ah. we would not find a lot of beef on Irish tables. No? No. No, 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 no. Because the cow symbolized wealth in the Gaelic. Is it Gaelic or Gaelic? I think Gaelic. Gaelic tradition and was mostly enjoyed by royalty. And even then, it was mostly old cattle that were not producing any more milk that would be then eaten. Yeah. And this was like a very serious thing. Firstly, because um, the people of that area really loved cheese, but also because the size of your cattle herd was such a status symbol, like wars were started over the theft of cows between tribes. (laughs) I wonder how big one of these cattle herds got. Oh, I'm not sure. Further research. Yeah. That wouldn't change until the English took Ireland over in the 16th century CE. The ancient Romans passed their love of beef to the English, and the English did the same for the Irish. Uh, English conquerors put strict and oppressive, oppressive laws in place, seizing up Irish land and dividing it up into plantations. The English exported Irish cows to their own country until the passing of a series of laws in the 1660s called the Cattle Acts, which forbade the export of Irish beef and in turn lowered the cost of beef in Ireland. The British also introduced the potato to Ireland, by the way, and they also, the British, were huge beef fans. And supposedly that's why the Sunday roast is still a thing. I want to know more future research. Indeed. So much future research. Oh, always. Humans have been preserving meat with salt for thousands of years, but this is around the time the phrase corned beef originated, as Lauren mentioned before, as a reference to corned as a reference to the large kernel-sized crystals of rock salt used to preserve the meat. The term corned for salt goes in written records all the way back to 888 CE. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Irish salt tax was far lower than that of the English salt tax, allowing the Irish to import higher quality salt. And the quality of the salt is key to the quality of the corned beef. Yeah. Because of that and the larger population of cattle, Ireland got a reputation for their high quality corned beef products. Up until the 18th century, Cork, Ireland shipped over half of the country's corned beef products, mostly in cans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Irish corned beef dominated transatlantic trade, providing the supply for French and American colonies, the British and French navies. And in fact, the demand was so high that Britain allowed France to stop over in Ireland for corned beef, even when they were at war with each other. Too much money to be made. Come get our corned beef. That's true. At first, I, I couldn't fathom why they would do that. But I suppose that if the money... <laughs> if the money's right. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the demand and popularity caused the price to rise until it was, for the most part, unattainable for the people making it. Even when the North American colonies started making corned beef of their own in the mid to late 18th century, decreasing demand for the Irish product, it was still, for the most part, too expensive for the Irish people. The Irish turned instead to salted pork products and potatoes. Hence the uh, bacon and bacon and potatoes, bacon and cabbage kind of thing. Right. Uh, A lot of the demand from France and Britain was not for their own populations, but for feeding slaves in their colonies. And because of this, corned beef was viewed as a food for the poor or enslaved. Just by the way. Yep. Oh, 
then also on to another depressing thing. Um, then came the Irish potato famine of the 1840s, also known as the Great Famine. The Irish were left with very few options. Um, either stay and possibly starve or immigrate to somewhere with better prospects. Over a million people starved and over a million immigrated. And to date, the Irish population has not reached the level that it was previous to this. Yeah. A large portion of the immigrants traveled to the U.S. on what were called coffin ships. This term came about at the rampant practice of landlords evicting tenants that couldn't pay for rent and paying to ship them off to North American colonies, promising that there would be clothes and food and money once the immigrants reached their destination. And the evictees were packed into poorly constructed vessels and shipped off. Those who survived the journey often arrived sick and had to go through medical inspection and quarantine if any illness was found. And there was only one small facility in Canada that was supposed to handle all of this. And by June 1847, 14,000 immigrants waited in a line stretching over two miles to be seen, to be inspected. The line of coffin ships looking to dock at the facility was miles long as well. Because of this, a lot of those that arrived healthy got ill Mm -hmm. and often died while waiting for inspection. And dead bodies were just dumped overboard. Some of the sick were dropped off on the island, serving as quarantine, and left to crawl to the hospital if they could manage it. And most of them could not manage it. Fever sheds were set up for the hospital overflow without adequate beds and equipment, staff, or general conditions. And people who died in these sheds were piled together and just left. Due to the overwhelming number of ships arriving, the quarantine standards were abandoned. Passengers realized that the promises of an agent awaiting them with food, clothes, and money at landfall were false, and that returning to Ireland if they wanted to was financially out of the question. That was the whole point. Mm -hmm. Landlords didn't want them to come back. Yeah. Montreal received the highest number of Irish immigrants, many of whom were forced to wander around the cold Canadian winter homeless, and they were shunned due to fear of disease. Of those that survived, many chose to cross the border into the U.S., settling together in large cities like New York, in part to shield themselves from anti-Catholic attitudes in the U.S., and also because there were other immigrant populations in large cities like that. While things certainly weren't easy for Irish immigrants, many of them were able to do better in the U.S. than they had been able to in Ireland, and many cases, in many cases, were able to afford corned beef for the first time. It helped that beef was relatively inexpensive in the United States. Yeah. However, it wasn't the same corned beef their Irish ancestors would have had. It was Jewish corned beef made using the kosher cut of beef brisket, usually cooked in a pot with potatoes and cabbage. And of note, in the U.S., pork was generally more expensive than beef, and potatoes and cabbage were cheap as well, cabbage especially more so than potatoes. Um, And I, I also read a lot of stuff that I didn't have time to dive into deeply because it was conflicting, but um, about this connection between the Irish com- community and the Jewish community. And, and especially in cities like New York, where they were exactly. all kind of living in close quarters and some of the spices that they, spices and processes that Jews were using in delicatessens at the time were kind of uh, bleeding over. Right. Yeah. And I remember reading a lot about um, characters in Broadway plays that were like Irish and Jewish immigrants huh. as like, see, evidence. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 
Um, and St. Patrick's Day, which originally was a religious holiday in Ireland, became a celebration in the U.S. of cultural heritage for Irish immigrants. And the celebratory meal largely became corned beef. The Irish association with corned beef was pretty firmly cemented by the 1950s and 60s. But it goes back a lot earlier than it, that. It does. It was President Lincoln's meal of choice at his March inaugural lunch. And don't forget, a corned beef sandwich was the first sandwich to be consumed in space in 1965. And you can visit this sandwich at the Gus Grissom Memorial <laughs> Museum in Mitchell, Indiana. It's the sandwich that was smuggled onto yes. uh, one of the space shuttles. Yeah. It's, oh, it's great. It is. It's all <laughs> listeners, if you've been, send pictures. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Famous sandwiches. I mean, <laughs> anytime you want to send us pictures of famous sandwiches. Um, meanwhile, around the world, canned corned beef was this huge industry. Um, because colonization and the Atlantic slave trade had turned the cattle-friendly areas of South America into this huge beef product market. Um, what would become one of the biggest operations began in the 1860s in a town in Uruguay called Frey Bentos. Um, a British company with German researchers called Leibig Extract of Meat Company. Ooh. Extract of Meat. Mm. Um, they started up uh, this industrial complex there that geniusly handled the entire process of creating processed meat on a global scale from this single site. Wow. Um, like, up to and including uh, having having living and social space for for the workers there, like it was just so meticulously planned and so effective that it's now a UNESCO World Heritage Site for kind of exemplifying the Industrial Revolution. Huh. Um, this production capacity and, of course, canned corned beef's non-perishability would make the product um, a staple in British rations by the turn of the 19th century. Um, of course, being called bully beef by most people there. Mm-hmm. A British tank in World War One was named Frey Bentos by the soldiers who <laughs> who reported feeling like tinned meat inside of it. <laughs> okay. Um, See what they did there. <laughs> uh, competing beef processing companies would pop up in Brazil and Argentina. And by World War II, canned corned beef was used across the Allied forces. Because it could be made kosher, it was also a staple in relief packages for Jewish war victims in Europe. And probably wasn't really delicious. Um, you know, it was about as much fat and gelatin as it was meat, but it was food. That's true. It was portable. Yeah. Um, after the wars, production continued and burgeoned by this growing middle class with an interest in affordable and convenient foods. Hmm. Unfortunately, uh, part of that affordability came from the lax food safety standards in these South American plants that were being overseen by British companies. Right. In 1964, readers of the Preston Journal out of Aberdeen, Scotland, came across this headline from the medical officer of health, Ian McQueen. Typhoid in a bully tin. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, the city was in the midst of a typhoid outbreak that had begun a week earlier. McQueen concluded that a large can of corned beef from Argentina and a contaminated slicing machine was to blame. From this spawned a sort of Upton Sinclair's The Jungle response. Oh, yeah. With local, national, and international coverage. Over 500 people were hospitalized. Um, McQueen drummed up even more fear when he suggested that the tainted meat 
came from the supply the government kept in case of nuclear war. This escalated very quickly, and within a month of that first headline, numerous corned beef stocks were recalled. The use of non-chlorinated water in the manufacture of tins of corned beef was thought to be the culprit, and it brought into question the food safety of all of the government supply. It also brought to light three smaller typhoid outbreaks linked to tins of corned beef in England a year earlier that had gotten very little press. Some of the suspect tins using non-chlorinated water had been recalled. The factories in Argentina largely changed to use chlorinated water, but some of the product stayed on shelves and consequently caused the Aberdeen typhoid outbreak. The consumption of corned beef sharply declined because of this whole affair, and it took a while for it to bounce back. Yeah, some of those um, big, that that big plant uh, that I mentioned closed down in 1979, I want to say. It has since reopened. Oh. Or it did reopen in 2008. I didn't fact check to make sure that it's still open and operating to this day. Perhaps. But, but yeah, yeah, uh, the, the, the industry has bounced back. Although there are um, ongoing problems with food safety and worker rights in the beef industry in South America, and particularly in industry leader Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, in just the past couple of years, there have been a whole bunch of uh, product recalls due to contaminants like um, like anti-parasitic drugs that are used to keep animals healthy, um, and also bans of uh, particular products in particular places due to the use of slave labor to make them. Yeah. Um, another peek behind the pod curtain. Usually when Lauren and I are choosing a topic, we do a, a preliminary internet yeah. search just to see. Just a, just a quick thing. Know, yeah. How much, how much information is there out yeah. there about this thing? Is this a full episode? Exactly. Yeah. And Lauren did the one for corned beef, and I just remember your face was so serious. And I said, what is it? Is it terrible? And you said... Well, it's a good story. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> it's one of the ones that I just kept going, oh, oh, yeah. oh, no, oh. It was not good. And I was over there like, what? What is <laughs> What? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, it is a good story. I mean, it's, it's so intensely fascinating to me that this, this product that is associated with the Irish people due to kind of terrible practices of the British. <laughs> um, it's very interesting, too, that I, re- I ran across a lot of headlines from Ireland that were basically like, why do Americans eat corned beef <laughs> on St. Patrick's Day? Or even they've never heard of that we do that. Right, right. And, and very surprised. And shock and awe. I, I think a lot of the things that we do on St. Patrick's Day are very surprising to I, yeah. most local Irish humans because it, it's a it's a religious holiday over there. It has right. been until American touristry has brought the American concept exactly, of St. Patrick's yeah. Day over there. But, you know, it, it's a religious holiday. You know, like like bars are closed. You're spending time with your family and at church. And Right. And here we have green beer and you're probably drunk at 9 a.m. Yeah. And we've dyed our rivers green. Yeah. <laughs> And there are people... And leprechauns. Leprechauns will kill you, people. Oh, my goodness. They're mean. Yeah. But we treat them like super oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> They're so funny. They're right? cute and wee. I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. mm. Don't mess, don't mess with the fey folk, y'all. No. Silly. Yeah. And I think that that is our food stuff lesson of the episode. Don't mess with the fey folk. Watch out for leprechauns. <laughs> 
I, in my elementary school on St. Patrick's Day, um, you, you, during lunch, I guess the teacher, well, okay, you would come back from lunch <laughs> and the classroom is trashed and there's green, like, goop everywhere. What? And, you know, gold coin things uh-huh. decorating the wall and the teacher says, oh, a leprechaun has come into your your class and trashed things. And usually somebody's stuff got taken and you had to go find it like on a scavenger hunt. You didn't do this, Lori? No. <laughs> okay. I, this is not this is not um, ringing any bells for okay. me. Okay. Well, some American elementary schools participate in practices like that. And I remember as a kid, I think it was supposed to be really fun, but I would get annoyed. Like leprechaun is stealing stuff, yeah, and I would seek justice. I was very competitive. I still am very competitive, but that's true. <laughs> I want to show that leprechaun piece of my mind taking stuff. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. I I think You're that's disrupting the... the educational process. Yes, sir. And, and what's this ma'am? goop that we had to clean it up? You know. Oh man, the goop. Yeah, ah. it was supposed to be some kind of lesson. I don't know about what. I'm still mad about it, clearly. <laughs> it's therapeutic for me. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that we could I'm glad that we could share this moment. Yes, I am too. I'd kind of forgotten about that. Hmm. Um, but I think that is our corned beef episode. Definitely we have to come back to the potato famine. We oh my goodness, yes. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's it's a very important moment in history to to discuss and, you know, those kind of human rights issues are uh, important lessons to learn. Yes. More important than cleaning up green goo that your teacher has blamed on a leprechaun. Perhaps that's what we should have been talking about on St. Patrick's Day. Mm. 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 Uh, but this brings us to Listener Mail. But first, one more quick break <laughs> for an ad from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! If you are happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. First of all, thank you, to everyone who's sending us pictures yes. of your pets with food names, oh, please keep them coming. I, Even if they don't have food names, but you know, I mean, either way, either way, yeah. it's been a delight. I think, I think, no offense to anyone else's dog, but I think that Pepper is my dog of the day, <laughs> and I don't remember what listener wrote in about him or her, but yeah, give 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 that Pepper an extra pat for me. Yeah, I've. I would be torn between nutmeg and um, sausage. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, please keep them coming. It's been wonderful. We should have asked for this much earlier. I know. (laughs) Just brightens our day. (laughs) Okay, Melissa wrote, I just finished your catch-up episode, and it reminded me of an anecdote I was told at a party recently by one of my boyfriend's friends. She had just come back from visiting her boyfriend's extended family in Ontario for the first time and was totally bewildered by what she called the ketchup house. The ketchup house. I know. It seems that they are from one of the towns in Ontario where the main industry is producing ketchup, and they all work in the local factory. Not content just to focus on ketchup from 9 to 5, they have taken to growing tomatoes exclusively in their gardens, keep the fridge stocked with a few varieties of ketchup, and decorated the house with a more extensive variety of ketchup-related memorabilia than she thought possible. They took immense pride in their work and were very excited to have a non-ketchup-producing person over to initiate into ketchup lore. This included a long, detailed walk through the tomato gardens, examining the crops for ketchup suitability. (laughs) I couldn't help but think during the episode that the visit was wasted on her when clearly it was a place meant for Annie. (laughs) Yes, it is. I would be so happy. <laughs> like, embarrassingly happy. Uh, I hope that someday your ketchup house will come. I am going to choose to believe that it will. We've all got to have <laughs> dreams. Mine is a ketchup house. <laughs> Masha wrote in, In Russia, Christmas is considered only a religious holiday, but everyone celebrates New Year's. It's probably the biggest holiday of the year. Some of the traditions would be familiar to Americans. Getting a tree, giving presents, a big bearded man supposedly sneaking into your house to bestow you with festive goods, etc. But 
a few differ. For one, Father Frost is generally accompanied by the Snow Maiden, also the protagonist of a very sad fairy tale involving a midsummer fire. You can imagine, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. It is of paramount, scary exclamation marks importance, that any disagreements or fights you have must be resolved and left behind in the old year. And, of course, however you greet the new year is how you will spend it. The Chinese zodiac is very entrenched in Russian New Year culture for some reason. For an example, this since this is the year of the, uh, I think it was the yellow earth dog. Anyway, all the magazines were full of advice on what food to serve and what kinds of colors and fabrics to wear slash not wear if you want to please the dog. I recall that it was very inadvisable to wear red because apparently dogs hate it, question mark, question mark, question mark. (laughs) Also, sneezing is considered good luck, maybe because there has to be an upside to being sick on a holiday. Some traditional foods are the olive salad, herring under a coat, it sounds so fanciful in English, uh, vinaigrette salad, black bread with butter and caviar, and, of course, about a billion different pickles. Ah, Oh, that sounds delightful. It does. Sneezing is good luck. <laughs> I guess that does make sneezing a little more bearable. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Silver lining. Silver sneeze lining. Silver sneeze lining. <laughs> well, there you go. Thanks to both of them for writing us. Thanks to everyone who's sending us pictures or writing us. Um, you can write us as well. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or also on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw, stands for How Stuff Works. Or also on Instagram at foodstuff. We hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan, with the excellent eyebrows. And <laughs> <laughs> thanks to y'all for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.